This is a Federal News Network podcast. The federal contracting community will feel relieved if Congress proceeds with a continuing resolution and avoids a lapse in appropriations, fondly known as a government shutdown. But starting the fiscal year on a CR is hardly ideal. Federal sales and marketing consultant Larry Allen explained why when he spoke earlier with Tom. Larry, it does seem strange that we would welcome a CR because it's a better alternative than a shutdown. But none of those things come close to starting the fiscal year with the full year appropriations understood and nailed down. So maybe discuss the lack of ideality in starting with a CR. Actually, a really good way to look at it. So often we focus on uh, the continuing resolution at the beginning now of each fiscal year for either a period of weeks or months. And it keeps the government open, which is great. It's better than a shutdown, but it doesn't make the government fully operational. And the reality that we're seeing at the end of FY21 is that government never really catches up from the late start. So it's not just that it's not ideal to start the year without a full appropriations. You know, projects are delayed. People just keep kind of muddling along with what they were doing before. It's that we never really fully get over the late start. Uh, we're, uh, lead, we're rushing up to the end of every year trying to get as many new projects funded and out the door as we can. Tom, that inevitably leads to mistakes. It leads to less than ideal acquisition outcomes. So when you're looking at a CR at the beginning of the year and you're like, well, it's only six weeks. Well, no, it's not only six weeks at the beginning. It has an equal effect at the end of the year because people can't catch up. They can't get everything they need to get done in a timely manner. This is really a less than ideal way to try to fund government. And what does this do with respect to contractors' schedules and their results, financially and otherwise? Two types of contractor reactions here, Tom. One is larger experienced contractors kind of know that there's going to be a CR for a certain amount of time at the beginning of each fiscal year. And to the best of their ability, they bake it into their business processes. And while it's not ideal for them, they're going to be ready when the appropriations do come and they've got the relationships. For smaller businesses, though, those that are particularly dependent on cash flow, maybe they're newer market entries that are really counting on some funding coming across the table before the end of the 21 calendar year, you know, a continuing resolution could really place some substantial hardships on those businesses. You're not getting the new projects out the door. You're not getting the funding that you need. Uh, it's very likely that you have investors who are starting to ask questions about why that's happening. It's highly ironic that this happens at a time when most of the rhetoric is very pro-small business and government acquisition. And yet, one of the many effects of uh, government by CR is that small businesses particularly might find themselves in a cash crunch. And also, you've got last week already the OMB sending out the shutdown warnings to federal agencies, the preparation notice. And that's routine, but that must nevertheless put some kind of a chilling effect on agencies' willingness to move even with acquisitions toward the end of the year when they're tied up with shutdown preparation. That's exactly right. Continuity of operations planning, Tom, is something that all federal agencies have to do at a certain time of the year. 
if there are not going to be appropriations, if there's another reason for a potential shutdown, you have to plan as if there will be one. Most agencies have established plans, but there are procedures that you have to go through. Think of it as stage one, stage two, stage three, that type of thing. What that means though, is that the people who would ordinarily be doing the buying at the end of the fiscal year or overseeing the buying for the last week of the fiscal year, they're not doing that function. Instead, they're taking time back to work on internal processes and procedures for that what if scenario. What if we are closed down and where we have to operate uh, under, under no funding at the beginning of the fiscal year? That's got to be very frustrating, and it further compounds the inability to get good government business done at the end of the year. So really, Congress starts us off late with a CR that pushes everything out, and then if no uh, CR is imminent, Congress has a requirement for agencies to plan for shutting down, taking away that time for doing the acquisitions that they didn't get a chance to do at the beginning. We're speaking with Larry Allen, president of Allen Federal Business Partners. And I want to change topics here for a minute because something you've written about recently is the idea of maintaining your corporate reputation. And there are so many vectors of threat to reputation. It's almost like cybersecurity. You could end up on some idiotic TikTok thing or some social media campaign could probably wrongly, mostly wrongly, malign you. And yet that could have an effect on contracting officers, on your ability to do business. Uh, It really can. First of all, I think most smart companies try to do the things that they can do to protect their uh, image, to protect how people view them. And that's really important. Uh, You want to have that level of trust. Uh, having a good reputation helps build relationships. And we know, Tom, that the federal market is very relationship driven, but companies can't control everything. In a TikTok world, in a world where everybody has a camera, everybody can record things, uh, companies really not only have to have a good reputation and take steps to protect it, they have to have a timely reaction plan for when an inevitably bad thing happens. And as you said, it doesn't even have to be a legitimate bad thing. It could be something that somebody who has an ax to grind with the company gets access to a platform and suddenly they've got you know, 50,000 followers all saying negative things. What's your response strategy going to be? And you need to think about that before it happens so that you're ready to put out the fire before it spreads. Whether you're a company or an individual contractor employee, Tom, reputations matter. And it's really important to understand that even a good reputation established over time can unravel quickly if you're not prepared to respond to negative comments that people may make about you, whether or not they're valid. And of course, there are probably 10 million consultants running around claiming to be (laughs) crisis communications and emergency planning consultants. They're kind of like interior decorators. They're good at placing (laughs) chairs, but there's no real science there. But the other issue, I think, is for management, rather than to have to hire reputation-restoring consultants, is to make sure that people all the way down the line 
are doing the right thing and know what they're expected to do. Because it could be, it's like those videos you see of airline baggage handlers tossing bags halfway across the tarmac so they land with a big thud somewhere. That can damage the airline's reputation and it's happening on the tarmac, not in the executive suite. And I think for those that manufacture things for the government, that's a real issue. Someone films someone gluing something wrong on the bottom of an airplane or inside an electronic assembly, you've got a problem. Anytime that you have an employee who cuts corners, Tom, whether it's somebody who is in a production line or whether they're in a position where they're like, well, we know we're supposed to have a product made to the standard, but that's going to take too long. We might not get it done in time, so we're going to take a shortcut here. Anytime you have an employee that puts the end product your company makes uh, at risk, puts it out in front of a customer and advertises it as something less than the quality that the customer thought you were going to, uh, customer thought it was going to get, you're putting that company at jeopardy. Those actions are putting the company at jeopardy. Tom, that's one of the reasons why when I work with lawyers on False Claims Act cases, we take a look at the employees who are involved whether or not any specific ones were involved in wrongdoing. And if they were, we talk to those people, get the information we need from them, and then we make recommendations to senior management to have those individuals terminated from employment because the company needs to protect its reputation moving forward. They may still have to pay a fine for whatever False Claims Act violation the company uh, had, but showing present responsibility prevents the next worst thing from happening, which could be suspension or debarment from government business. So the message has to get out to employees. Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners, speaking there with Federal News Network's Tom Temin. You can find this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive and subscribe to the Federal Drive on Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. 
And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day and I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you use to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention and it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions. Uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and... Um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with 
uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters uh, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. At Adelphi University, known for award-winning career guidance, you can earn an in-demand master's degree in business analytics or a master's degree in supply chain management or earn an MBA with one of seven concentrations with flexible scheduling. Learn in small classes with personalized attention from world-class faculty. Your success is our business. Visit adelphi.edu slash business degree. That's adelphi.edu slash business degree. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.